Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code RTFP to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a teaching tutorial Thursday presented by DraftKings. The civilian goat Greg Cosell is in the house. And we are kicking off the 2022 NFL season. Couldn't be more excited. Couldn't be happier to have all of you aboard, hopefully every single day for the ride. Remember, this show is 30 minutes in length, Monday through Friday. It's the only 30 minutes you need every day to know what's going on in the NFL and to be knowledgeable, to be entertained, to be informed. If you play fantasy, you can check out the Fantasy Feast. If you like to bet, Even Money Podcast is the best betting show out there. If you like college football or the NFL draft, it's the college draft. And if you're into the nitty-gritty business, it's Andrew Brandt's Business of Sports. Patron shout-out of the day, Matt Heinz. We are racking up the patrons who want to see the bets that Steve Fezzik and I make on paper each and every week. So that comes as no surprise. Patreon.com slash RT Media. Become a Tuckheads member of our Slack channel. That's the way to do it. And then, of course, tomorrow I'm announcing winners. Lots of winners. The winner of tonight's game, although I'll give you my prediction a little bit later. Winner of tonight's game, as well as the spread the word winner via social media. I'm looking at Ross Tucker NFL at Ross Tucker pod, the sponsor confirmation email winner taking advantage of symbol or simply safe or any of these sponsors over at Ross Tucker.com. And then the YouTube shout out winner, please just subscribe over at YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL and make a comment. Won't you? I love to give you guys cameo style videos. It's big show time. Show. Been waiting a long time for this. Now, I love talking with Greg about the preseason and what he's seen from some of the young quarterbacks, but we can actually break down some real NFL games, at least this week, preview them. We can't break them down there until they actually play them, but we can preview some regular season games with Greg Cosell, the long time, 43 plus years at NFL Films the host on-air uh, analyst of the NFL matchup show, 
on ESPN, ESPN2. Absolutely check your local listings to see when that show is airing. Greg usually retweets it as well, at Greg Cosell. And he joins us each and every Thursday here on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Greg, we're starting with Thursday Night Football. And as I like to do, it's a blank slate. Ah. Bills at the Rams. You have an open canvas. We got a lot of returning players. We got returning coaches. Although the Bills do have a new offensive coordinator, which is a little bit of an interesting wrinkle. Yeah, although I think if you're giving me a blank slate, Ross, I'll start on the other side because with uh, Tredavious White out, the Bills are going to start probably a rookie and an inexperienced player at corner. So you're likely to have Dane Jackson, who has started games for the Bills, but you're going to either have Kair Elam, their first-round pick, or Christian Bedford, who I believe was a fourth or fifth-round pick out of Villanova, starting at the other corner. Um that would lead you to believe, I would think, that you'd see a lot of zone coverage. Uh, and, and in addition to that, the Rams are very good with their formations, their reduced uh, sets where they bring the receivers tight to the formation, their use of bunch, their use of stack. It's very difficult for young corners, inexperienced corners, to work through all that um, and sort all that out. So it would not surprise me to see Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier, who've been doing this a long time and are among the best in the league, feel that in some way they have to protect their corners. Now, protect is one of those interesting words because obviously to play zone, as you know, you have to have tremendous spatial awareness. You have to have tremendous eye discipline. You have to understand how routes develop. There's always gray areas in zones. And sometimes corners and safeties, corners in this case in particular, can struggle with that. So playing zone is not an automatic that you you can slow down a really good passing offense. But to me, that's one of the most intriguing, interesting elements to this game. This uh, really good pass game of Sean McVay's with Matthew Stafford versus a Bills corner position that will be clearly inexperienced. So here's what I think about that. I agree, Greg. I, I expect the Bills to play a lot of zone. But it's kind of dangerous to go against an experienced quarterback and head coach like Stafford and McVay with their receivers and them have a pretty good idea of what coverage you're going to be in most of the time, right? Well, again, as you and I both know, nothing's 100%. I'm not saying they're going to play zone every snap. Uh, but, you know, I think that they probably feature that more. Now, everything is situational. Look, they're also trying to generate a pass rush with four, which they may be able to do given the tackles for the Rams. Havenstein is at right tackle. He's going to get a heavy dose of Von Miller. And while Havenstein is a really good pro, and I think he's due for an extension, um, you know, Miller is just one of those edge rushers that's really difficult to, to block one-on-one. And then you've got Joseph Noteboom, I believe, playing left tackle for them, who's played the position a little bit when, when Whitworth uh, got hurt last year. But again, he's kind of new to being a full-time player. So I think the Bills are hoping, of course, that they can pressure Stafford with four and therefore keep seven in coverage. Um, Obviously, you've got to try to pressure Stafford. Stafford is one of the best in the league at at being tough in the pocket. He will stand and deliver. He doesn't flinch. Um, You know, one thing we've seen a lot of from the Rams, we saw it last year, was the use of empty sets far and away the most use of empty sets in the league a year ago. Will they do that in this game? Will they feel they can protect? Um, 
So we'll see. I, I, but to me, that that matchup, Rams pass game, Bills pass defense, stands out to me. I would agree. And I'll add one more piece to that, and that is Ed Oliver working inside yep. against, you know, I think Coleman Shelton. Yeah, that's start at right guard. That's a great point for the Rams, and that's a guy that's bounced around a little bit. So, for him to be the starting right guard, that that's a game. That's a, a matchup that Ed Oliver has to win. Yeah, they're going to have to make Stafford uncomfortable in this game. I mean, if, if Stafford's comfortable in the pocket and feels comfortable throughout the game, then it's it it could be a difficult go. What about on the other side, Greg, when the Bills have the ball? Yeah, that's going to be really interesting to me as well. Um, You know, I guess a lot of people, you know, people automatically assume, and I heard this all week, and because it's a new season, we have no idea. But, you know, you hear all week, Jalen Ramsey versus Stephon Diggs. Well, if you go back and look at last season, and I saw every Rams game, there were not many instances at all where Jalen Ramsey matched up to the opponent's number one receiver. He did it on occasion. There are certainly reps and snaps in which he did that, but that was not a guiding principle of the Rams' defense to match Jalen Ramsey up on the opponent's number one receiver. So that's that's something we just don't know. It's a new season. There could be wrinkles in the Rams' defense. The Rams essentially kept under Raheem Morris a year ago the same foundational principles that they had under Brandon Staley, which is kind of the Vic Fangio mold. I would not expect that to change dramatically. Now, the big issue, of course, in this game is the Aaron Donald factor, but then you also have the Josh Allen factor with his ability to make plays with his legs and perhaps avoid pressure. So, um, you know, this is obviously there's many, this is this is why it's Thursday night football, the opening game, Russ. There's we could talk about this game for a half hour, and we don't, you know, we're not going to spend the whole time talking about this game. But um, I'm really curious formationally what the uh, the Bills do in their pass game, because I think there's things they can do to attack what I anticipate to be a lot of sort of that quarter structure with the Rams, which turns out not really to be quarters once the ball snapped. Let's get to some of these other games, including one of the one o'clock games that interests me, one o'clock Eastern. It's the Steelers yeah. at the Bengals. Just kind of curious to see what this Steelers team looks like with Trubisky and obviously how the Bengals and whether or not the Bengals pick up where they left off last year. What interests you in this one? Yeah, I mean, I think we know about the Bengals offense. You know, that's been talked about. So let's look at it from the other side. Obviously, Mitchell Trubisky's getting the start. Um, Trubisky can use his legs effectively both as a secondary action player and as a rollout player. Um, I would think they would like to use some design boot action off of the run game. Um, you know, Najee Harris last year obviously was a volume runner, but not an overly productive runner. So I think their run game behind an offensive line that clearly has questions against, you know, a pretty good Bengals defense with all the focus on Burrow and those three wideouts and Joe Mixon. You know, I think a lot of people lost sight of the fact that that Bengal defense significantly improved a year ago as the season progressed. Um, so I'm curious to see how the the Steelers approach their offense. Because look, Najee Harris is going to get carries, but until a, a big game toward the end of the season, where I think he had close to 200 yards, he was averaging 3.5, 3.6 yards a rush. And while everybody accepts that he's a big man, a powerful man, and a good player, 
that's not good enough in this league if that's going to be the foundation of your offense. So, you know, it's, we spent all offseason talking about who the starting quarterback will be, but their run game is going to have to be more productive if they're going to give it the same amount of volume. I don't – I didn't really see any indicators during the preseason that the offensive line yep. was a whole lot better. Um, I do think Trubisky's ability to run does yes. help and adds an element that I'm, I'm assuming they're going to try to take advantage of that. I think they have to. Uh, if you, why would we even have Trubisky if you're not going to have him run sometimes? He's fat. I agree with you, and I think you'll see a lot of design boot action. I think, you'll see, I think you'll see his legs being a factor early on, and then they'll see how it goes. One of the other games I wanted to check in on for sure is Kansas City and Arizona. Be our first look at Kansas City offensively without Tyree Kill for Arizona. They obviously don't have DeAndre Hopkins. What are some of the matchups you're breaking down in this one? Yeah, I'm really anxious to see how um, Arizona plays defense. Because what happened last year against Kansas City, and actually Mahomes and Andy Reid had a great response and really settled in beautifully as the year progressed after a period where they started to see different things. And what they started to see which has become very common in the league now, is almost that Vic Fangio defense. Teams started to play with that quarter structure, but it's not really quarters. In other words, it did not end up as a middle open defense. It it, it had some disguise to it. And that took away a lot of the Chiefs' big plays. And then we saw last year Patrick Mahomes settle into being a very efficient player because they, they couldn't just attack deep the way they had done for the previous two, three years. And I thought that really, really showed a lot about Patrick Mahomes. We know he's a very intelligent quarterback. Um, So I'm very anxious to see what Vance Joseph, who's been doing this for a long time, what he brings to the table in this matchup. Because, you know, Mahomes to me is one of those guys, it's easy to say they don't have great receivers now. We'll see. But I think Mahomes is is one of those quarterbacks with the way in which he plays that it doesn't matter who the receivers are. He's going to be very good. And the pass game is going to be very good. I tend to agree. I, I'm curious to see how he sort of sprays it around and and what they do differently without Tyreek Hill. And then what about when Arizona has the ball, Greg? Yeah, I'm, I'm – this is one of those, and I'm being honest with you, Ross, I'm, I'm uncertain, you know, just from film study. I don't know what their, their offense is going to look like. They still have Zach Ertz, and they drafted the best tight end in, in the draft, in my view, Trey McBride, in the second round. You don't draft the tight end in the second round when you have Zach Ertz to sit him on the bench. So everybody thinks air raid four wide, which, by the way, they do. They lined up four wide, I think, maybe the most of any team in the league or second most. So they will do that. That's part of the Cliff Kingsbury air raid approach. But they also play with two tight ends more than people might think. So just to be honest with you, it's a new season. I'm uncertain with the, with the wide receiver situation as to what this offense will look like early because we know Hopkins can't play for the first six games. We could see an offense that plays a lot with two tight ends, Ross. I mean, it, you know, like I said, you don't draft McBride in the second round to have him play eight snaps a game. You know, it, there's a bunch of good late games, Greg, including the Raiders at the Chargers. Yeah. I'm curious to see what the Raiders offense looks like under McDaniels and you know, how he utilizes Devontae Adams, Darren Waller and McDaniels didn't have that many years in new England where they had like a stud receiver like this, that, that you really want to feed Greg. 
Yeah, I mean, he was there when they had Randy Moss, and they and I remember speaking to Josh McDaniels about it years ago, and they they went into other parts of the playbook because of what Moss brought to the table, um, and that was the year that they went almost undefeated, uh, and um, uh, you know, obviously they were a big play offense throwing vertical routes. Adams is is not quite that guy. I think he's the best receiver in the league, but he's not Randy Moss in terms of verticality. Um, you know, we know what they've done over the years with the Wes Welkers, with the Edelmans. You know, Hunter Renfro kind of fits into that mold. I don't think Renfro will be solely a slot. Um, we know that he's had he had Gronkowski for years in New England, and he lined up all over the formation. You'll see that with Darren Waller. Um, so, you know, I think this will be a pretty multiple offense. Plus, we know they run the ball, too. I mean, you know, everybody just thinks because when, you know, Brady was there for all those years, pass, pass, pass. They didn't necessarily play that way. They did at times, you know, and obviously with the Bill Belichick factor, every game was its own game. And Belichick could come out in a game and have Brady drop back 50 times. And the next week, it could be the run game. So, you know, I, I don't think we know how they'll face the Chargers. Um, the Chargers do not have J.C. Jackson, one of the best corners in this league. He will miss this game. So they could very well think they could throw the ball in this game. Right. And and um, it sounds like they're working on a contract with Waller. He does have experience utilizing it. I mean, with Waller, Renfro, and mm-hmm. Adams, I mean, those are three really tough covers. Without question. You know, and that's – so it'll be interesting to see you know, how many targets each guy gets. You know, there's only so many targets, but, uh, but no, that's difficult. And, and, and the thing that makes Waller uh, so, so good, one of the things, of course, is that he can detach from the formation and he can be your, your single receiver to the short side of the field. And when you have a tight end who can do that and be really good at it, like the Chiefs do with Kelsey, that really allows the quarterback to get strong pre-snap reads because ultimately what you're trying to do with formations motions shifts is you're trying to give the quarterback as much information as possible before the ball is snapped it's a great point why why does splitting out a tight end do that well if you go with and what coaches call that a one by three set as opposed to three by one when it's a when the tight end is the single receiver they say one by three so if you have the, the tight end to the boundary as the single receiver and then trips with three wide receivers to the field, how does the defense line up? Who they put over the tight end is going to give you a lot of information right off the bat. You know, obviously, if they're going to walk a linebacker out over a tight end, you're more than likely you're thinking it's man coverage. If they're going to stay in some kind of shell coverage with a corner over the tight end, your inclination would likely be that it's some form of zone coverage so it gives you and again all this is based on on film study too i'm giving you general cliff note parameters ross obviously you know teams are spending all week studying this so so they kind of know based on the look of the defense when you're in a one by three set what the coverage will likely be based on tendency and probability all right so the packers will be playing without Devonte adams and the vikings have a new coach and Kevin O'Connell, yeah. what are you thinking about in this matchup? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think the Vikings offense, and again, the Vikings offense has been good. You know, obviously, Kirk Cousins has been a very polarizing player in the minds of many people. But as you know, Ross, he puts up numbers every year, throws a lot of touchdowns and not many interceptions. 
And with Kevin O'Connell there bringing a lot of the Rams principles because he was the OC under McVay. Um, plus, Kevin O'Connell also, you know, there's that whole Shanahan tree as well because Kevin O'Connell, McVay, Shanahan, Mike McDaniel, they were all together in Washington back, you know, I think when Robert Griffin was there. So, you know, uh, one of the things that will be interesting to me, and this is getting into the weeds a little, is last year the Vikings were among the the lowest percentage teams in the league playing with three wide receivers because they played with a fullback, which is very, you know, Shanahan-like. Um, Kevin O'Connell comes from the Rams, who led the league playing with three wide receivers last year, the highest percentage. So I'm very curious to see how that plays out. Um, they've got two really good receivers, Jefferson and Thielen. I really like K.J. Osborne a lot as a, as a three. Um We'll see if they, you know, what they do in the pass game. I'm, I'm, you, you know, this, the concepts will be good. I'm just curious as to the personnel packages. Any idea what Green Bay will do differently? Don't you know they're a hard team too because of the, the receiving situation. Uh, I know there's some injuries as well. They could be playing, you know, two or three rookies at, at, in this game. I don't know if Christian Watson is due to go. Um, but, you know, we know Romeo Dubs will be playing. They drafted Ture in the seventh round out of Nebraska. He could go. Um, so, I, you know, I'm not sure. That That's another one of those teams. I think until we see them play, I'm not sure how that's going to look. Sunday night football, Greg. It's a good one. It's yep. the Bucks at the Cowboys. A lot of continuity in terms of coaches and players here. What What interests you in this matchup? I think the Cowboys offense, uh, we all know about the left tackle situation, so we know we don't need to discuss that. Obviously, they're going to have to work through that, and they're going to have to do some things tactically to account for that. But I'm curious to see how they sort out the wide receiver position. Michael Gallup won't go. C.D. Lamb is their only real quality wideout that's back. It would not surprise me to see Tony Pollard play a lot of snaps with Ezekiel Elliott in what you know is referred to as a pony package where you have two backs and they're both tailbacks because Pollard can split out. He can detach. He's a good receiver. He can be a motion guy, a jet sweep guy. Pollard can do a lot of things and he brings an explosive element, which the Cowboys don't really have. Um, you know, Lamb's obviously very good, but they need more than that. You know, we just talked about a team like the Raiders and their receivers. You know, it's so it would not surprise me to see Tony Pollard play not just snaps where he spells Elliott, but where he's on the field with Elliott and is used as a kind of a movement receiver and, and is a receiver more than a running back, but still with the ability to carry the ball depending on how they want to line up formationally. It would not surprise me if a bunch of people comment on YouTube or tweet about how much they enjoyed this segment because you, Greg Cosell, are the man. Check him out at Greg Cosell so you can make sure to at least DVR the show this weekend. Thank you, Greg. Thanks, Ross. Appreciate it. And thank you, Symbol. Man, this is one of those companies where I'm so mad I didn't come up with the idea. It's the stock market for sports. Symbol lets you trade pro and college teams like stocks and even earn cash dividend payouts when your team wins. There's a reason Pro Football Focus calls Symbol the perfect blend of sports and the stock market, offering a brand new way to invest in your favorite teams and profit off their success. I actually have a little bit more money that I deposited. I might buy somebody else today. 
Um, I might see how my Eagles stock did because that was the first team I bought. Really cool to combine the stock market and fandom. Download the Symbol mobile app for iOS like I did by searching S-I-M-B-U-L-L in the App Store, Symbol, and use code ROSS to receive a free team stock valued up to $150 upon signing up. Think about that. Uh, you get a free stock up to 150 bucks. That's code Ross to claim your free stock on the Symbol mobile app. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't think you're going to be buying the Jets on symbol because Joe Flacco's going to start at least through week four. That's uh, that's when Zach Wilson could potentially be back. So a couple thoughts here. One of which is, I think it was Tuesday that Robert Sala said that Zach Wilson had a good workout and they'll just have to see about Sunday. And then yesterday he says he's out to at least week four. So just remember, coaches lie. It's part of their job. Don't get offended, but don't believe them either. Because like when Dr. Chow posts an injury or a six score or whatever for a guy, you're like, oh, no, but the coach said he's good. No, the coach said he's good. The coaches lie a lot. So don't get too caught up in that. Here's what I would tell you. They're already saying the earliest Zach Wilson will be back is week four. That's not good. That means there's a pretty good chance he's not back by week four. And that's especially notable to me if Joe Flacco's playing well. Joe Flacco's playing well. That could be week five, six, seven, eight. You never know. Ducks takes. Giants wide receiver Darius Slayton takes a steep pay cut because he wants to stay in New York. So I brought this up for a reason. Darius Slayton's not like some great player or whatever. But, I mean, I think he was supposed to make like 2.4. And he came down 1.5 million to get his 900,000 guaranteed for this year. Two thoughts on this. I always keep it real with you guys. Number one, if I ever ran a team, this would be something I would probably consider more often squeezing guys for pay cuts it's tough business but as a former player i recognize the value in making sure i'm on that roster and my salary is guaranteed so if a team cuts me who knows when i'll get picked up who knows when i'll get signed and it probably will be for the minimum and probably won't be guaranteed so i personally would probably ask more guys to take pay cuts. What? Ross, you're a former player. That's so mean. I wouldn't be a former player in that role. I would be a front office executive doing what's best for my organization. I'll also say this. Remember these teams squeezing guys for pay cuts when guys hold in to get more money. It works both ways. 
Bills tight end Dawson Knox gets a four-year contract extension, $53.6 million. That is 31 guaranteed. Uh, Also, Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson, he said uh, his contract talk's probably going to end on Friday. He's going to cut them off on Friday. I also saw where late last night, Rob Havenstein, the Rams tackle that Greg was just talking about, he got a three-year extension, which is his second extension with the Rams. So kudos to Havenstein. That's pretty awesome for him to be able to, once again, be able to get another contract extension. Not the greatest athlete in the world. He's just very big. He's physical, and he's a technician, and he knows how to use his size. Kudos to Havenstein. Uh, That is a big dude. Uh, Dawson Knox is a terrific player. It's amazing how much these guys make now. I mean, that's a lot of money that Dawson Knox just got. $31 million guaranteed. That's almost $8 million a year is guaranteed. Probably just over the first two years, but still good for Dawson Knox. And two thoughts on Lamar Jackson. Number one, if you say that the talks probably cut off on Friday, they might not really. That's number one. So it's not really a hard deadline if you just say probably. And then number two, I really want him to sign a long-term deal. I want it for him. And look, maybe he goes out there and plays great, but if he does, they'll just franchise tag him next year. And then they'll just franchise tag him the year after that. I want him to lock in $150 million plus for his family. Here's what I would tell you. The difference between... 150 million guaranteed and 250 million guaranteed isn't that much. You're you're in the same net jet, you're 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 in the same house. It's really just like what's in your bank account. The difference between 150 million guaranteed and nothing is a lot. That's a big difference. That's like life-changing difference. So, that's how I look at it for Lamar. Takes all right, the moment has arrived. We've got a game tonight. Opening night, Bills at the Rams. Who do you like and why? Ooh, I've been going back and forth on this one, actually, Bri. You know, I'm, I'm, obviously I have an affinity for the Bills from my time there, and I think they're going to have a really good team. But it's a little concerning with Dane Jackson and a couple of rookie corners. It's a lot concerning. Then you've got the Rams, who seem like they're under the radar, but they've got some new guys along the offensive line. I'm going to go with the Bills. But this, to me, I really, maybe this is just wishful thinking, but I think it's going to be an epic game, game-winning field goal, probably whoever has the ball last. And because of his legs, I'm going to go with Josh Allen. And in the Bills, 27-24. But I think we are in for a really good game. And I think if you are myfrontpagestory.com, evergreeneconomics, go-bangles.com, steakhousesports.com, humanheadnyc.com, sportaculture, and pizza boy brewing, you are very smart to get a shout-out for your company at the end of every Ross Tucker football podcast. We're here. We made it. It's the regular season. Check out the other shows. I'll make all my picks tomorrow and recap tonight's game. I think we're done here. 
for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.